0: Oh, you're very welcome along to the gardening program. I do have the gardening program notes in my hand. Hapori will be delighted here. Not the Jennifer. weather, not the weather <laughs> forecast for you. Anyway, too much paper around. That's my that's my problem. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Uh, how are you today? Oh, great! It yeah. sounded
1: like it's uh, real autumnal weather, mixed showers and uh, quite warm temperatures actually as 12 well. Twelve to fifteen yeah.
0: degrees tonight. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, really Eight, nighttime
1: temperatures nighter, and going uh, yeah. up to twenty degrees. Yeah, later on. So it's it's uh, it is very mild, and uh, growth is still. You know, people that are cutting their lawns will see it. The plants are still actually growing away really strongly. So it's. Uh, it's quite nice, nice so, autumn weather, so, good gardening weather. So
0: we're not we're not at bedding stage yet for the winter or anything like that. Well,
1: autumn. Well, spring bedding if for for listeners that may have planted wallflowers or sweet williams or forget me nots, mm. they can be planted out at this time of year. Um, as indeed we're coming into the time of year for planting winter and spring colour from bulbs in particular. So things like your lovely winter aconites and snowdrops and crocuses and all the beautiful tulips and daffodils they're planted now in September, and we've got great planting conditions at the moment and I actually brought you in a couple of different varieties of bulbs that you can plant now
0: well there's a a vast range of bulbs in the studio this morning and I think we kind of we're covering flower flowers and we're covering some vegetables as well Is yeah well it? veg
1: at this time of year we it seems a funny time to be planting onions and garlic but uh, as we come into autumn and particularly for listeners that are lifting potatoes main crop potatoes or maybe harvesting the last of their vegetables and they want something to put in for the autumn, winter, spring period, then this is the time of year that we put in the Japanese onion sets. Uh, So these are Japanese varieties. They're bred to grow in the harshest and coldest of conditions and uh, you buy them as little bulbs, as little sets. So this is a variety called Electra, which is a red uh, onion, okay. uh, so it has the red flesh, very mild flavour, lovely in salads, you can eat it raw, it's got quite a, quite a sweet flavour but you plant it at this time of year and it grows through the autumn, through the winter. You generally harvest the large bulbs in late April, early May, this, they're full-size onions at that stage. Having said that, you can actually harvest them right through the autumn as greens, as spring onions. So if you're having a salad, say in November, December, you can nip out and, and literally cut off the greens, the they'll regrow again and they'll still form the full-size onions. So that's a a variety called Electra. There's another very good variety called Radar, which is the traditional onion. Yeah, it's the traditional uh, kind of golden-skinned, white-fleshed onion. Um, And again, they're little bulbs. You simply stick them into the ground and away they grow. And irrespective of the weather we get, the frost or the rain, I mean, these can be grown directly out of doors. Uh, So if we get snow, the bulbs will continue to grow through the winter so look for those in your local garden centre they're sold as Japanese onion sets there's about four or five different varieties depending on the on the type of onion that you particularly like but if it's for salads I can highly recommend that Electra and it's also the time of year at for planting garlic because garlic needs a long growing season so if you want garlic for next summer you actually plant it now at this time of year and again like the onions there are a couple of different varieties if you like a really strong flavour garlic Mm -hmm. you know. <laughs>
0: really, uh, French uh, I garlic. Keep, I keep people away,
1: garlic. Yes, there's one called Marco, which is this one. And Marco is really, really strong. Generally, there's three bulbs in a pack, but those bulbs are you break them up into cloves as as you do for cooking, and you simply put them into the ground. So the three bulbs will give you uh, approximately maybe twenty five plants to plant and again like the onions you simply stick them into the soil and the way they grow and they garlic and onions you can grow them in pots and containers if you want you can grow them out in your garden soil you can stick them in amongst other plants you don't necessarily need a vegetable garden if you want to just do a little patch maybe in the herb garden or in through your shrubs stick them in at this time of year great project for the kids to do as well because you know you're teaching them they're five a day and
0: Absolutely. Right, I, I, and I think for anyone who is a fan of garlic, there's nothing quite like fresh garlic oh, out no. of the ground because it's got a crispness that you just don't get from the the ones that are bought in the shops. We're bought in the shops, yeah. they're grown they're gro- in Israel yeah.
1: or, or wherever. Yeah. And, and, they, and they're transported exactly. and, they're,
0: and they're, you know, they, they start to dry. Yeah, of course Whereas they do. Whereas literally, um, taking them out of the ground, there's they're just absolutely crisp and there's this lovely bit of bite to them lovely flavour um, and you, they store yeah. very
1: well so so they're planted this time of year that, that variety is Marco there are varieties like Cristo as well um, so there's plenty of varieties depending on, on how strong you like your garlic so it's a very light flavoured mm-hmm. Larry, go for Cristo Marco is the really strong one so they're available at the moment now and don't forget it's still there's still plenty of time to sow other vegetable plants So plants like pixie cabbage is available purple sprouting broccoli lettuce varieties are all available spinach they can all go into the garden they're in plant stage in garden centres at the moment plant them up the pixie cabbage is a great one because it's quite a short variety and can be picked as greens during the winter period and form small heads in early spring great in a tunnel greenhouse again you could just do up a simple window box put in half a dozen pixie cabbage plants or s- mix it with some lettuce or whatever and you've got yourself uh, some greens for the winter use and don't forget it's still okay to sow seed sow seed of things like radish this is the French breakfast variety um, is, can be sown at this time of year uh, beetroot yep. so there's a, there's a really good variety um, bur press uh, which is Burpress is a is a kind of an orange beetroot, not your traditional Oh, not your traditional yeah, yeah, red. Yeah, it's okay, just a different then. variety. And and beetroot is like um it's it's in the spinach family, so you can actually use it for as, as a spinach you can use the leaves the and beetroots, the yeah. greens right through the winter period so it's really good as well so don't forget you can still sow seed and going back to the flower bulbs I brought you in a few of my okay. favourites what have we got? well there's a and again it's a project that I think for again if you want to get your children or the family involved bulbs are great because they're foolproof I mean if you plant them upside down or whatever they're still going to grow and they're still going to flower so and they flower within a relatively short period so if you want colour for Christmas mm-hmm. you've got bulbs like winter aconites which are lovely bright yellow flowers just before Christmas Christmas, snowdrops, of course, will flower in January. But for me, the crocuses are great. And this is a variety called Goldilocks, which has got these oh, lovely yes. bright yellow flowers. Um, that fabulous in January and February. And again, crocuses will grow in pots, containers. You can even plant them in your lawn for a bit of colour. colour. So all you do if you're planting them in the lawn is literally with a spade, cut a square of, of grass, lift the grass off and leave it to one side like a manhole cover lift it off plant your bulbs and simply put the grass back down again and tramp it down and it'll knit in together and the bulbs will come up through the lawn in early spring is here's a beautiful plant a bulb that's probably not as well known so this is the snake's head Fritillaria and the flowers are nodding they actually fall down so they're they're uh, positioned towards the face towards the soil, but these are beautiful. They only grow about six inches in height, um, and they've got this. They get the snake snake's head name from the, the way the flowers are speckled. Yeah, See, so they, speckled kind of, they
0: kind of look a little, a little bit like snake skin. skin I yeah, but but they're beautiful. Mm. They're
1: purples but and yeah, yellows yeah. and pinks, and a really just in a, de-
0: in a decorative kind of a way. Yeah, really, a lovely plant. Yeah.
1: So that's Frigilario. It only grows six or eight inches in height, beautiful. and all the bulbs come back year after year. The alliums, of course, that's one called kings and queens, which is the yellow and the purple Mm -hmm. alliums, particularly for people that maybe want to do something for that are bee-friendly or insect-pollinating friendly, or particularly for florists, people that like to grow maybe flowers for cuttings. The alliums are great because you get the beautiful flowers which you can dry and spray and use indoor. um, as a
0: a decorative value as well.
1: And they flower every year. Rip Van Winkle is one of my (laughs) favourite daffodils. It's a dwarf narcissi. It's actually a a two-toned, uh, you know it's doubled, doubled, not double, two-toned double, but doubled double. I should say, double-headed flowers again it's a dwarf variety, lovely in window boxes and containers. And a
0: little bit different in terms of the, the way the petals are positioned on that, yeah, um, well, so they're, they're not quite as in, in the traditional form they're, there's almost a featheriness to them There
1: is, yeah, they're like a cacti dahlia mm. they're, they're that fully double, so ripram winkle, lovely variety uh, One of my favourites is, is jet fire, I have a lot of these planted in my own garden, which is a dwarf, narcissi or daft that flowers in late March, April and has two different colours in the flower. Um, and the dwarf daffles are great because they tend to die back without creating a mess.
0: Right, you're not, you looking, know you're not looking at the... The, the old the, withered the bits, stems yeah. and the bits
1: hanging over. They tend to, to flower and then die back very quickly. And they can be underplanted. Say if you've got heathers in your garden or alpines or something low growing. You can put the bulbs in now and they'll come up through, like I mentioned in the lawn. They'll mm-hmm. actually force the way up through uh, ground covering plants. What about that for a Up, It's one called oh, Whispering Dream.
0: Whispering Dream. It's uh, beautiful. It starts yellow and it kind of ends in the sort of a reddy pink.
1: It does, right yeah, to the top. It's tops. a real
0: two tone. Two toned, yeah. yeah.
1: Really large tulip. Again, a lovely variety for cutting and it has got that two tone colour. So look, at. I could go on all day. There's lots of scented bulbs as well, like the hyacinths, and there are many of, of the daffodils that are scented as well, and even some crocus varieties are scented. And particularly, bulbs because there's early spring flowering are very be- many of them are very beneficial for bees and if you look at the packets it, that's donated with a little bee symbol mm. on the packet of bulbs so if you are looking for for varieties but remember that bulbs will grow pots containers window boxes out in your garden soil indeed some can be grown indoors for color at christmas like the hyacinths and the paper whites i think we mentioned them last week yes At this time of year, the other key thing to be thinking about is planting fruit. So harvesting fruit, so lots of apples are ready for picking at the moment. And uh, the later varieties like Bramley seedling need about another month to ripen properly. Pears will need at least another month into October before we start to harvest them. But it's also the time of year for planting fruit trees in the garden. So if you want to put in any of the soft fruits, the the blueberries, the blackcurrants, there's a lovely uh, new fruit called honeyberry.
0: Ooh, Which what's is that?
1: well, it's in the it's in the um, honeysuckle family, the Lonicera oh, yeah. family. You know the okay. honeysuckle yeah. that normally grows the woodbine that grows in our hedgerows. There's a, a, a fruiting form of that called the honeyberry, and it's got it produces very large blue fruit, very similar to a blueberry, right. but they're they're more the shape of a raspberry. They're kind of elongated fruit, very dark, purpley blue colour. It fruits, it flowers in the winter which is very unusual. So it's flowering in January and February. Uh-huh. And the fruit then are for- formed from kind of May, early June onwards. And kids love them because they're lovely and sweet to eat. And it's it's unlike the blueberry that needs the acid soil, the honeyberry will actually grow in any type of soil. Okay. So it'll grow in alkaline or acid soil or whatever. So look for that. That'll be available in your local garden centre. Honeyberry It's just something a little bit different. Um, it's a blue Lovely blue fruit uh, and generally you need about two or three plants to cross-pollinate. Uh, so that's one to look for, out for. If you want something a little bit different as well, look for the red hazelnut. So it's a red coloured hazelnut. It's a cultivated variety of our wild hazelnut, mm-hmm. um, which again grows really well Life, here in the yes. west of Ireland. We've actually got a great climate for fruit. Even though we're importing wheat apples wheat. from all over the world, we've got a fantastic climate for growing fruit. So there's very little fruit that we cannot grow here in Harland. you know, so pears, plums, cherries, all the soft fruit, the, the, the raspberries, the blackcurrants, the gooseberries, you know, there's so many fruiting, strawberries, rhubarb, you know, you could go on
0: yeah. and, and,
1: and on. So there's lots, we have actually a really good climate for growing fruit, but September is the time to get fruiting plants into the ground. As a general rule, you want to be plant, planting, you know, three or four of each variety. So if you're putting in raspberries, put in three. Now you can mix the variety so there's a lovely yellow raspberry called F- Falls Gold, which is a a yellow raspberry. Right. Um, but others, then you know, the Malling varieties are red, the traditional, all the various blueberries. But put the, at least you know at least three. three. Yeah. A because you need that For amount well, to, exactly to do something with. But also you need from a cross pollination point of view. Okay. You know, you're know, you going to need at least three to cross-pollinate to make it work. And apple trees, plant them at this time of year as well. And the lastly then, the planting of general trees. And I actually brought you in, a, where did I put it? I brought you in the malice. Remember we were talking tree? about the malice. No, 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 no. I just <laughs> a, brought in the A little fruit. bit of a tree, okay. So these are, we were chatting about these last week. And these are the malice family. So this is a, a variety called, so it's an ornamental tree, okay. yep. producing beautiful flowers in springtime. Um, as, as any of the malice do or anything in the apple family. But it produces bunches of these fruits. And
0: they're like little mini the, apples. They, that's
1: what they are. They're, they're actually edible. And you can u- use them in cooking. Generally, you they use them for chutneys or jams. Um, but they are edible as well. Well, Children can eat them if they, if they so wish. And they're also, not only are they are very decorative, but they're great for pollinating other apple trees in your garden. But trees in general... It's a good time of year for planting trees, oak trees, willows, um, any of the the, the flowering trees that we have, the cherry trees, for example. It's a good time. This is the time of year to plant them into the garden soil because soil conditions are perfect.
0: And particularly with the temperatures and everything now, that'll yeah, a, an opportunity for people, you know, before things get cold and exactly. we we're less reluctant to go out and do these things. And the soil else. is
1: still very workable, even though we've had a relatively good amount of rain. rain yeah. it's actually still really good planting weather. So soil conditions are are, are excellent uh, for planting. So okay. so yeah, so they're the type of things. Focus on the bulbs, wildflower seed. I brought you in a. A packet of wildflower seed because again this is the time of year for sowing wildflower in the garden and and that's one that's a, a short. Sometimes we associate a lot of the wildflowers with tall. Yes. Metal. You can get them in. This is a, a short variety. They grow. Uh, Fifty centimeters, so I mean, there it's quite a short okay. um, variety. So it's a little over a foot, about fifteen inches in height, and it comes in a whole range of different colours. So a floral so...
0: meadow in my garden. It says. Yeah, well,
1: yeah, and they're they're designed to to there are twenty eight, twenty nine actually different varieties of seed in, in that. that. These are all perennial, which come back year after year, and. Um, they're just yeah. great for the, the great uh, for wildlife. Great for a bit of, yeah, a bit of yeah. colour
0: and the wildlife, of course, and you And you
1: can mix the, the wildflowers with the bulbs together at this time of year, plant the two together. It's a great way of getting out a long period of flower colour from early spring right through until really at this time of year.
0: Now, just before we officially started on the programme, last week we were talking about the schools project, the oh, yeah. schools initiative, and you said there's been great interest in that. I had a
1: fantastic, yeah, f- fantastic response from uh, principals and, and uh, SNAs right around the, the county. So the, we put together three packages, if you remember. So the first one was teaching the children to grow their five a day using the veggie pod. Second one was putting together a collection of wildflower seed and spring flowering bulbs mm-hmm. that the children could plant at this time of year. And the third one was around the whole area of wildlife the and biodiversity particularly, yeah and the native birds and and encouraging you know maybe schools to do a census around the birds that will visit their garden but encouraging the wildlife into the garden using wild bird feed so we put three packages together and really the concept was trying to get children out of doors so giving you giving schools a project that would run from now right through until early summer um that would get the kids out on a daily basis maybe for half an hour or yeah. an hour and and each of those projects would would certainly do that and lots of educational opportunities as well but we've had a fantastic response if people need any information pop onto our website horkins.ie just in the search bar put in schools and you'll see the various projects there all listed
0: Brilliant, right I, I wanted to look, at uh, those. Uh, some photographs come in of what I thought was rather a fantastic engineering uh, earlier on this morning Porrick um, <laughs> and last week we were talking, one of the questions if memory serves was about how do we protect the seeds that we put out for small birds from the big birds. So right. pigeons, yeah. starlings, uh, very prevalent, I think, at the minute. I've seen lots of starlings, even in my own garden. Um, and people concerned then that they're kind of hogging all of the food that, uh, yeah. that are being put out do. for yeah. people. And I suppose people have to be a little bit more creative or inventive. Yeah, So... Um, they, uh, I'm not sure if we've a name to go with all of this it definitely deserves a name but a series of photographs have been sent in to us uh, of projects to pr- protect the the seed uh, that people are this person's putting out so, um, Even
1: using clothes bags uh, Even
0: using there. clothes bags, yeah it's, I mean, I'd love to be able to share these photographs with you and maybe we can organise that through social media later on in the week But um, so we've baskets and different bits and pieces put together together where the small bird seed is being protected inside structures so that the larger birds can not get them.
1: Yeah. So the listener here has actually used two hanging baskets up, up and tied them together. Cable to create,
0: ties I see yeah, being used. Yeah.
1: To, to create a, a kind of a sphere. And inside that they've used the traditional seed, wild bird seed. So the the, the, the netting from the uh, hanging basket actually keeps the birds physically away from the seed. Um, so So anything like that will help to to stop the larger birds physically from getting at the seed and the smaller birds can nip in and, and pick away at the, the peanuts and the wild bird seed. Now, I did mention last week that you can actually get a squirrel, what they call an anti-squirrel feeder. feeder. And basically, it has a cage surrounding the, the seed seed. Uh, the the actual normal feeder the small birds can get in and it stops larger birds and squirrels and and pigeons and crows and so on from getting at the seed. Yeah. But this listener has done a, a home a home version a home and has version. done a brilliant job. A
0: fantastic yeah. job I have to say and uh, kind of various photographs and there's different kinds of structures in that garden. I imagine that the wildlife and mind. the yeah the birds that you get in your garden as a result of all of that um is really quite something. Okay, moving on with another a photograph poric uh, shrubs that are too large for a couple of pots that we have here a yeah. uh, space for them in the garden now when is the best ta- time to transplant
1: them well the, the fact that they're in the pots that can be moved these are actually variegated hebe hebe elliptica variegata which is actually a, a lovely evergreen plant very easy to grow so it's got a kind of yellow and green in the leaf and a lovely blue flower and this is a plant that will tolerate quite a windy open site so it You know, not many shrubs will tolerate the sort of wind levels that this will. So it's a plant that needs full sun um, and it can be in a sheltered part of the garden, but it will tolerate quite an open, windy area as well. So my advice really is to transplant it now, take them out of the pots, transplant them into the garden and they'll be perfectly fine, give them a good watering and they'll grow away quite happily. Uh, hebes do respond very well to light pruning back as well and by Mm -hmm. doing that you keep them shorter bushier and you stop any legginess or bareness getting at the base of the plant as well so maybe give them a light trimming four to five inches trim off the top and sides of the plants before transplanting but anything in a pot september is a great month to move it out into the garden
0: now, we have quite a few questions about cuttings and things like that. Yeah. But first of all, I suppose, and something we remarked last week, we have a lot of new people gardening maybe in the, for the first time yeah. during uh, the last number of months. So uh, uh, sort of a, quite a, a question maybe we've covered in previous years, but what length should cuttings be to start off?
1: Well, I always use the, the analogy, it's kind of pencil length and pencil thickness, just out of kind of a, just making it very simple for people. So the length of a pencil and the thickness of a pencil for most cutting um, now, having said that, for things like fuchsias and geraniums, you can actually make them a, a little bit shorter. And shorter cuttings, particularly of young wood, tend to root a little bit faster. Uh, so anything kind of from 6, 8 inches right up to 12 inches for, for a cutting is ideal. Remember to remove any of the leaves from the plant, apart from one leaf at the top. Remove any flowers or flower buds. Dip it into rooting powder and insert it into perlite and compost mix and generally covers with a polythene bag, sit it on a windowsill and they'll root within a couple of, of weeks. If, if it's something like um, trees, maybe willow or poplars, or if it's hedging plants like laurel or grisolinia, you can take the cuttings longer so you can have them up to 18 inches to two feet in length and similar process, but you root those out of doors in a trench. You open up a trench in the soil, put in some perlite or sand, take your cuttings, pop them in, backfill, no need to cover with any polythene and they'll root over the winter period. So September, October is the perfect time for taking, for taking cuttings. cuttings. All cuttings.
0: All cuttings. Okay, brilliant. Now, we were talking about the bulbs there earlier, Porik, um, and somebody uh, was wondering, do bulbs like crocus, tulips, hyacinth, do they need to be grown in bulb fibre compost if you're sowing in pots?
1: Well, if you're growing them indoors, so the, what bulb fibre compost, and it's a very good question, so it differs from normal compost in that it's got charcoal added to the soil and it tends to be a rougher type of compost so it's there's a lot more fibre in it, hence the name bulb fibre. Um, so that can be used and because you've got the charcoal in it, it stops the compost kind of smelling or going off in, indoors. Now, having said that, if you, if you grow them in normal compost, they it's still grows because they're so easy to grow. Um, but if you ha- if you can get yourself some uh, bulb fibre, you'll get in your local garden centre. It's generally inexpensive to buy. That's a perfect medium for potting up hyacinths and paper whites and any bulbs you want to grow indoors. And this is the time of year. If you are planting, particularly hyacinths and tulips and daffodils for bringing indoors later on, pot them up and leave them outside for six weeks. That's important that they get a they get exposed to kind of the, to the winter autumn kind of chill period. So they need that kind of cool period outdoors for at least six weeks. You'll know when they're ready to come back indoors. If you tip them over, you'll see lots of new roots on on the bottom of the pot. Okay. So get them really well rooted out of doors. So pot them up, leave them outdoors, give them a good watering for about six weeks and then bring them inside and you fool them into thinking it's springtime. Oh, okay. So you bring them in, oh. in kind of late November, early December into the warmth of the house and hey, presto. <laughs> so, in actual bulb, point,
0: right, so you're the, hardening them off really and that's giving them the sense that it's winter time yes. and we're moving it, that uh, six we're week speeding period. it all up.
1: Yeah, they, they initiate the roots, they develop lots of roots, the bulb, start, the bulb the new growth starts, but by bringing them inside into the warmer temperatures, they think it's springtime, they think spring has arrived and it's time to flower. So you fool them into thinking it's it's springtime and you get them to flower, you know, six weeks Soon. earlier than they would normally outside so it's a nice way to get a little bit of spring colour around the Christmas period
0: okay and we might all need it this year yeah. can strawberry plants be divided and if so when is the right time to do it
1: well the, the, to answer your question if, if the strawberries have formed really strong clumps then yes you can you can divide them and tease them apart now you need to lift them and this is really actually a really good time to do it so lift them out of the ground tease them apart maybe get an old bread knife and cut some of the, the stems to kind of pull them apart and repot if, when you're transplanting strawberries it's a good idea to cut off all the foliage because that A gets Gets rid of the old uh, foliage from this year and any disease that might be on them but also it initiates new growth as well and um, so they'll look a bit um you know, by the time you have them trimmed back, they'll look like nothing, bits of stems. But within two weeks after repotting, they'll kick back into growth again. Um, so a good time to divide them, good time to split them. And generally you get about three to five years out of strawberries. After that, they need to be replaced, either with young runners or with new, new plants. plants. And this is a really good time of year for planting strawberries. You'll get them in your local garden centres. If you plant them now, they'll fruit next summer because they need, like a bit like the bulbs they need that chilling period over the winter
0: okay now somebody's wondering how soon after seeding a new lawn can weeds be sprayed and this is a good time isn't it for dealing with lawns Yeah. No, so
1: so yeah so first of all it's a brilliant time for sowing new lawns because the seed will germinate very rapidly with that seed germinating you will always get weeds coming with it right and even in the perfect of lawns you will always get broadleaf weeds like groundsel and redshank Germinating with the seed. The best thing to control that is the lawn mower. So, like I said last week, as soon as the lawn is ready for mowing, so within, you know, as soon as it comes, to say, within an inch high of growth, get on the grass box and give it a trim. Because not only are you trimming the lawn, which is, or the grass, which is going to help to thicken it up, you're also eliminating the weeds. And most, uh, most weeds, broadleafed weeds and lawns won't tolerate regular mowing. So that's, I wouldn't bother spraying until next spring and avoid the spraying if you can. So use the, the lawn mower. And I often see lots of lawns that people just leave them after sowing for months without trimming them I don't know why you know because so as soon as you trim as soon as you're uh, it's ready for trimming please trim it because you're also they're
0: waiting for it to grow you see so probably
1: yeah and, and they're reluctant to cut <laughs> it but so look trim it as soon as it's trimmable and um, to take off the grass clippings and you're also eliminating the broadleaf weeds as well some like daisies and dandelions may be a problem in, in next season you can deal with those at that stage but you will eliminate 90% f- physically with the lawnmower
0: Okay, great. Now, somebody's wondering what's the best way to replant roses and uh, when do they cut them back? They've tried before, but they never grow.
1: I presume they're asking about taking cuttings from them. And, yeah. and if they are, this is, this is the time of year. It's and here's one that typically uh, fits into my pencil pencil length and pencil thickness. That's what you're looking for, the roses. Strip off any leaves, any thorns on them, any flower buds. Take them off as well into the rooting powder and put them into a pot of, of compost and perlite. Cover them with the polythene bag. And they should root within, certainly within um, six to eight weeks, uh, out of doors quite readily for you. So try them at this time of year. They generally root quite easily.
0: Now, somebody bought seed potatoes and when they dug them, they were red. They didn't realise they were going to be red and they're a bit disappointed in them and they're wondering, would they be okay to eat?
1: Oh, perfectly fine to eat, yeah. So, there is a variety called Burgundy, Highland Burgundy Red. I actually featured it here. Uh, It's an old heritage variety, so maybe the listener got that one. So, if it's Highland Burgundy Red, when you cut it inside, when you actually cut the potato, it's blood red inside. It's like a beetroot. Okay. But it's a beautiful flowery potato when you when you boil it and cook it. So it's perfectly fine. So some potatoes have red skins on the outside mm. and, and are white. Like the roosters or Yeah, whatever. like the roosters or, or any of those. Uh, but, but Highland Burgundy Red is actually blood red the whole way through the potato. So... I, you may get a shock, or right, yeah, I can see. understand yeah, the psychology,
0: yeah, yeah. listener, because we are yeah. just so used to seeing kind of the white, yellow potato. Yeah. Uh, so anything other than that, I imagine looks a bit different on it the does, plate yeah, for and, sure.
1: Yeah, and and it tends it tends to hold that red color, coloration when you cook it as well. So, but it's perfectly fine. A very nice potato. It's a really flowery potato. And it's an old heritage variety. So yeah. it's called Highland Bur- Burgundy, Burgundy red, red. A really nice one and and I did feature it here in the program back in probably June uh, so maybe okay. the listener tried so it give yeah. it a go perfectly fine it's to pr- eat and
0: probably delicious yeah um, now so the Copper Beach bear root last November and uh, they're from very bare and leaves are withering put Osmo 6 on them two months ago but I'm getting the impression not, not a lot of improvement it, it be. Yeah. yeah
1: and look beach, beach is slow to grow that's the first thing to remember and, and beech at this time of year is beginning to drop its leaves the leaves are going yellow even on healthy beech trees the leaves are beginning to change now um, so so I wouldn't really worry a whole, whole lot about it. The, the fact that the customer or the listener has put on the Osmo 6 is good two months ago. Don't feed it now. Um, beech is deciduous, so the leaf withers, but it kind of stays on the plant. And on young beech, it tends to drop the leaves anyway as we go through the winter. The main thing is to keep it weed-free, keep any grass or weeds away from the base width so it should be nice bare soil around the base. Leave it for the winter now. It'll come back into leaf late in the season, so they come into leaf generally about the first week of May uh, Beach starts to uh, come into leaf, So it's quite late. Um, and it's at that time of year, May, you refeed it again. So my advice really is just keep it weed free and tidy for the winter. Don't feed it now. Leave it until next uh, late spring, um, late April, early mm. May. Give it a feed again at the Osmo Pro 6 and it should be perfectly fine.
0: Okay, great. Somebody wondering: Is there an organic weed killer for driveways, etc., for a large area?
1: There are, yeah. If you if you uh, if you Google organic weed killers, there's actually one in, one made in Ireland in, in Galway. Oh, and, and right. I'm, I'm nearly sure it's sold as organic weed killer or organic natural weed killer. It's something like that anyways on the label. So if you just Google it, it'll come up and it's actually made here in Ireland.
0: OK, fantastic. Right, we're going to take a break. Uh, lots of questions in. but some, Somebody sent us in a joke, Porrick.
1: All right, go on. Not
0: something we get very often. So, and, and it kind of appeals to me. So the question is, what runs around the garden but never moves? the fence uh, very good on very that good. note we'll take a break okay we've been talking a good bit about cuttings mm-hmm. Um actually just 087-900-41-41 uh, if you're texting or whatsapping us uh, this morning with thanks to Hygia High Gas Extra now um, so the cuttings and we've great photograph in from somebody who's a tiny bit ahead of the posse on some of this um, so they took cuttings and had them covered for the last nine weeks they've sent right. us in some photographs took the cover off last week some are firm in pots And I didn't want to disturb them. And the listener is wondering, should I leave them or separate them in the bigger pots or sow them into the ground? What do you think? Oh well, now they're pretty vigorous. I, I I'm not sure what they are. That's the difficulty. Uh, so I'd be saying put them in the ground, but I'm probably wrong.
1: No, 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 no. So so they've, they've done very well. And after nine weeks, yeah, you can they see they look super. Yeah, and you can see how healthy they are, and they're they're putting on new growth as well. My advice really is not, is to separate them now, um, and I, it looks like they have them in a little tunnel or a, or a greenhouse or something, in some protective area. So I would repot them into smaller pots so you know pots that are maybe 4 inches or 5 inches wide um, individually so each cutting into individual pots and leave them in this protective structure Mm. until springtime and then plant them out so the, the plants will continue to root then over the winter period. They'll be really strong by next April and then plant them out into the area you want them to flower. But they've done brilliantly. They, they must have at least eight or nine or maybe ten cuttings in each pot.
0: Yeah, it's so absolutely fantastic. Separate them, separate yeah. them so and repot them. For, for people who are starting off uh, definitely that'll show you that it, it, the yields can work. be <laughs> quite significant work, uh, in nine yeah. weeks there. Yeah. Uh, now we had a question about a polytunnel and a polycarbonate tunnel, Boric. and yeah. trying to see can we uh, locate it amongst the sea of questions. Uh, It was there somewhere now. Apologies. Um, And the difference between the two. Uh, Yeah. So I want to get a tunnel and would you recommend a polytunnel or a polycarbonate
1: house? So polycarbonate is is that kind of unbreakable um, a little bit like perspex I suppose. And, (sighs) And many greenhouses are actually made rather than using glass they've switched over to the unbreakable polycarbonate uh, which which makes a, a great structure and, and i suppose gives you more longevity than a tunnel so mm-hmm. generally polythene tunnels are used where you want to grow quite a lot of stuff so you're you're really you're you're getting extra space for your for your buck as it were, um, with a polythene tunnel. So if you intend growing vegetables and maybe some fruit and, uh, you know, plants for the kitchen, then a polytunnel is, is a great structure. However, you do have to change the polythene. Every maybe seven to 10 years, the cover structure needs to come off and you need to put a new structure on. Apart from that, you get years and years of of growing and Mm. and, uh, happy gardening in in a polytunnel. So the tunnels are great for that, for for particularly people that that intend to do a lot of growing. If it's just for maybe sowing for seeds or taking a few cuttings or pottering around the back of the, the, the garden, then the polycarbonate greenhouses are very effective as well. So they tend to be aluminium aluminium structured with polycarbonate, which again is very safe. If you fall against them or a child runs into them, they don't break. They don't get damaged. So if it's a small bit of growing, then the polycarbonate glasshouse works really well. But if you intend to grow vegetables or fruit or, you know, you tend to do some
0: Some reasonable amount of gardening
1: then the, the poly poly tunnel. tunnel, and remember in both structures you can grow 12 months of the year so all the plants I talked about this morning mm-hmm. the onions and garlic and pixie cabbage and all that you can grow in the polythene tunnel Right throughout the winter period.
0: Okay, great stuff. Now, do you know, is there any place that will be able to mm. identify old apple tree varieties growing in our garden? They were planted at least 70 years ago. Right. I went to the Seed Savers place in Clare last year, but they weren't able to help. So, any guidance on that?
1: Well, what I would say to Mark is, is take some photographs of the, the apples, particularly this time of the year, and send them on to the Botanic Gardens in Dublin. So the National Botanic Gardens, you've got, um, the curators there would have old history, old Fantastic. records. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and they would be very helpful in, in identifying um, and electronically now you can just send the pictures to them. Yeah. Send some of the, you know, maybe a couple of, of uh, pictures of the tree just from a distance and then close up on the, in terms of the stems, the foliage and in particularly the fruit and, and uh, send those on to the Botanic Gardens and... I think you get you get a positive response okay brilliant
0: <clears throat> excellent uh, idea and probably could be done for all kinds of plants if people were yeah, absolutely, unsure absolutely because they yeah. have
1: they have records going back you know
0: yeah, and I can your, appreciate where, you know, the garden has been there for like 70 Dears, years or whatever. And it's, there. you know, passed down through the family yeah. and uh, people aren't quite sure where things came from. Yeah. So lovely to uh, to get the information. Staying with apples for a moment. Uh, my apple tree produced the most beautiful looking fruit, but when I cut them open, the flesh was speckled brown and a big empty hollow in the centre, all unfit for use. Any advice for college? Yeah, that's,
1: that's pitting. It's pitting. It's a, it's a disease of apple trees where you get this, exactly the Listener describes they, they look perfect. You cut them open and you get this brown speckled pitting in the actual um, flesh of the of the um, apple tree. It's generally it's down to a nutritional deficiency, a bit like the boron on the um, the turnips and suede. So my advice really next spring is to use a. Uh, high boron uh, fertiliser like Vitex Q4 on the apple trees in April and repeat it again in May and that will help to prevent it
0: Okay. now can we move the tall white arum lilies now all the flowers are gone yeah
1: yeah and again arum lilies the Calla lily my advice here is really to trim it back so again get out the hedge clippers trim back the foliage really tightly leave about maybe a foot or 18 inches of stem dig them up split them up and transplant them now and they'll they'll work perfectly fine for you
0: now, we've got a photograph in of a lettuce uh, root, I think yeah, it is. It is yeah. um, so, I sow lettuce seed each year. When I pull them up by the root, there's a white powder like residue on the roots, and the day de- where they're planted, and also tiny green and white insects on the roots. What is this? Why is it happening, and how can I get rid of
1: it? Right, well, it's just a little bit of root fly damage, and you can simply use the, the root fly sprays. It's probably more common on, on um, the brassica families and on, on, on turnips and swedes. but you get on lettuce as well so get yourself a little bit of the um, root fly drench it's an organic treatment it's very very safe to use on lettuce or any vegetable plants Uh, you mix it up in water apply it as a as a drench it's a bit late at this time of year but for next year after planting the lettuce use the, the the root fly drench and that'll keep them perfectly clean
0: Brilliant. Now, um, Betty and Cita and Co., good morning. Wondering, uh, what would you suggest for a veggie pod for the winter? We still have onions and spinach in it at the moment. Can uh, the garlic, you suggest, grow in the veggie pod?
1: Yeah, you can grow garlic. Now, remember, the garden needs a long growing period. um, And and in height, it'll be perfectly fine because the canopy would be fine. Yeah, so you can grow garlic if you wish. The pixie cabbage I mentioned is ideal. You get lettuce plants in your local garden centre at the moment. Any of the Speedy veg. If you sow the seed of that now, it'll be ready for trimming in four to six weeks after after sowing. Um, so any the any of the leaf lettuces, the winter carrots do really well. There's a variety called Eskimo. The radish that I mentioned earlier on, the sw- the swedes or the yep. beetroot, I should say, the beetroot is perfect as well. So any of those plants are ideal, or seed are ideal for. Uh, the veggie pod. generally in the veggie pod you want something fairly quick and fairly fast maturing herbs of course as well plant it up with some parsley or some herbs you might use at Christmas time marjoram sage chives that sort of thing Thanks. and they'll be they'll they'll grow through the winter
0: brilliant now I just planted a syringa vulgaris how do I look after it for the winter
1: well it's a super easy plant so syringa vulgaris is the common lilac Ah. Um, so planted out of doors it is a deciduous plant so it's going to shed its leaf in November so there's nothing really once it's planted uh, you pretty much leave it alone for the winter next spring as it comes into leaf give it a feed and that's all you need to do it's a super easy plant to grow.
0: Excellent. A present of a euonymus plant in a yeah. pot, what do we do with it?
1: Well, you can leave it in, well, if it's in the pot, that the nursery pot that it was grown in, it needs to go into either a larger pot and have it as a foliage plant. So euonymus produces lovely bright foliage colour for 12 months of the year. Um, so it's ideal for using as a centrepiece in a pot out of doors or indeed you can plant it in the garden soil. So if you have a, a sunny spot, reasonably sheltered, plant it into your garden soil or else keep it in a larger pot, just repot into a bigger pot. And, and again, euonymus is a plant that responds well from a light trimming back. Um, it helps to thicken it up and increases the colour.
0: Now we have a photograph in of a young pear tree that has developed a crack in its trunk. Uh, question is, how will I treat it as, as, as it is an obvious entry point for disease? It is indeed.
1: and and it's very important that that's sealed up so you can get a treatment called Prune and Seal which is a sealing compound that you simply Uh, apply onto the area of the crack. Now, the the pear tree will still function perfectly well in that the the, 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 the actual bark is only split on one side, so it's still getting plenty of water and nutrition from the other area of the bark that's still there. But where the wound is, I would put on the prune and seal. You can get that now, you just dab it on and the pear tree itself will start to repair and grow over that in time, but that helps to prevent any disease getting in.
0: Now, we have a listener, Leona has just got a present of two beautiful royal blue pots lucky lady uh, one small and one medium would love to plant some nice autumn winter plants in them for the patio what would you suggest? Oh there's
1: such there's such a range at the moment I mean if you want flower colour you've got the the winter heathers are beautiful at the moment the garden girls in particular cyclamen are just coming into flower now the ornamental capsicums or little peppers that produce little fruits I think I brought some in last mm-hmm. week to you winter pansies winter violas I mean there's such a range all the spring bulbs plant them up as well. Uh, You can create this kind of lasagna effect where in the centre of the pot you've got your tulips and daffodils and then above that uh, the very top of the pot you're planting your winter violas your pansies uh, winter heathers and so on or indeed Leone could put in some um, maybe some winter foliage plants there's a lovely shrub called Nandinia, which uh, Nandinia domestica which grow, is grown for its beautiful purple and red foliage through the winter period it's an evergreen plant skimmias are beautiful at the moment my advice is pop into your local garden centre they're actually okay. full of colour at the moment and it's a great time for replanting and containers see, see
0: what go with your nine- blue pots they sound yeah, lovely
1: yeah, yeah but certainly a, a mixture of the bulbs and some of the winter flowering and spring flowering plants
0: now we have a photograph in um, growing pumpkin and rhubarb at the moment, but they've developed a black spot What Do I Do? for Michelle in Shepherd's Bush in London.
1: Oh, good morning Michelle Well, it would, to be honest, at this stage, rhubarb and, and pumpkins are going to be coming to the end of the growing cycle now, so I wouldn't bother spraying with any um, fungicide uh, at this time of year. And the same with rhubarb I mean, plants at this time of year take on a. you start to get little marks on the leaves and um, some amount of disease coming on them as well, like uh, downy mildew and, and uh, powdery mildew and so on but really it's it's we're at the end of the season so there's no point spraying and particularly with plants that die back naturally so my advice Michelle is just leave them alone uh, harvest your pumpkins now hopefully in a month's time and uh, the plants are going to wither away anyway and your rhubarb is going to die back naturally and that, those brown marks will just disappear just clean the area up uh, if you want you can treat the soil uh, say in November with a little bit of winter wash that helps to to kind of disinfect the soil but apart from that there's no need to treat them
0: now, uh, we were talking about the crack on the pear tree yes, we stem. Somebody's wondering uh, what might the cause be of pears that are cracking and they're still on the tree the fruit itself cracking yeah and, I guess. and
1: fruit can do you know you can literally get kind of um, damage on on pear trees and and basically it's where we get a period of really dry weather followed by wet weather, so you get the kind of the shrinking of the fruit yeah um, and we had really dry dry weather back in March in and COVID, April, yeah and yeah, and the fruit was just forming then so the the fruit is still edible it's perfectly fine it's just that the skin has become tight and it's cracked sometimes you get wasps attacking that area so if you can harvest those pears as early as possible now they're not ready for picking just yet they're going to need at least another four weeks Mm. to ripen Um, but you know, apart from that, really it's just when, when if we do get dry weather or if they're in containers in particular and there's any sort of drying period, you keep them very well watered during that period.
0: Okay, brilliant. Um, another person wondering, how long should I wait before sowing bulbs after putting weed killer 360 on grass?
1: Well, weed killer 360 normally takes a week to kill off the grass, so it's, and basically once it touches the soil, it becomes inactive anyway. So, if you've applied it a week ago, then it's perfectly fine. To plant the bulbs now uh, at this time of year.
0: Okay, fantastic. Um, now I have uh, lemon shoots about five inches high in pots on a window. Can I set them out now, or what's the best to do?
1: Um, well, it, it, well, it depends what lemon, what lemon plants. Whether yeah, it's lemon grass it's, or it, do, would it actua-
0: be actual lemons. It could
1: be a lemon plant, and if it is, you you cannot plant it out of doors. It needs oh. to be kept indoors in a cool. A, conservatory, cold glass house, um, somewhere like that is ideal for any of the citrus plants, lemons and or, or oranges. They won't tolerate the wetness and certainly the cold weather we get. If it's lemon grass, that's normally grown in a windowsill um, and, and just keep it there. So it really depends what what plant it is. If it's lemon scented geranium, they need to be kept in for the winter.
0: Now, um, so. my roses are blooming beautifully, but there are holes in most of the leaves. What do I use on it?
1: Well, a little bit of like the pumpkin and rhubarb, I wouldn't but bother spraying to be honest with them. That's a little bit of capsid bug damage. It's a small insect that just eats little holes in the leaves of of roses. But to be honest, there's no point spraying right. them now. Okay. No okay
0: no. um, next spring next spring Next spring. and yeah. what do we spray them with next rose spring Claire. use the, the rose clear about once a month fantastic um, we've got a picture in um, I haven't really had much of a chance now to look at that uh, but wondering if we can identify this poric
1: it looks like a malvia actually yeah it's, it's a malvia plant Malvia it's it's similar to um, Lavateria the mallow Okay. Um, so Malvia it's sort of plant that needs um, you can grow it out of doors but if we get a very wet winter or very cold winter you lose it so my advice really if you can and it's it's in a pot keep it indoors now for the winter plant it out next spring take some cuttings of it as well and Malvia tends not to be a long lived plant so a bit like Lavateria it lasts maybe four or five years and then tends to get a bit top heavy and breaks and so on so Very it's a sort pretty of, It's a lovely plant and flowers for such a, a long period it comes into flower in kind of late June, July and, and is still in bloom in November uh, So a lovely plant Okay
0: um, And somebody else wondering what's the latest date you can put in a new lawn? Weather permitting. Well,
1: uh, I mean, look, it all depends. You know our autumns and our winters. Yeah. It, it all depends. Grass will germinate at 10 degrees Celsius, but the difficult part is actually getting the soil conditions right. So my advice really is trying to do it in September or October, ideally. Uh, you know, and, and so you need the, the reasonable dry conditions to be able to rake the soil and sow the seed and so on. So the weather at the moment is very conducive. So as soon as possible, having said all that, you know, if you get a mild November or dryish. Kind of even December, the grass will still germinate.
0: Okay, so do you know,
1: so yeah. Uh, but ideally September, October, and if if we get into a kind of a cold, wet winter, leave it all over then till March or April of next year.
0: Great. We're going to end on this one. We have a laurel hedge that has not been trimmed for years. <laughs> Love that. Very high and very wide. Now I want to trim it. Okay. Any suggestions on what I do or where well, I start, or do we leave it?
1: Well, first of all, laurel responds to pruning very, very well, and even severe pruning. I mean you can be very rootless here. Having said all that, if you cut it now, it's going to look cut and woody right through the winter period. So my advice really is to give it a light trimming now and do the severe pruning in March of next year because within a month, you'll have lots of new growth it'll cover up all those kind of unsightly bare shoots and so yeah. on yeah. so if you cut it now it's just going it's yeah, like just shaving your head and, and, and nothing growing right through the winter it'll just yeah. look unsightly and tatty so tidy it up give it a prune back but leave the heavy pruning until next spring and take it that you can prune it literally with a chainsaw okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay project for next spring yeah. Park we're going to have to leave it there thanks okay, dear, dear. indeed for all of that uh, uh, do stand by coming your way next here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning. Uh, we've the very best in country right through until one o'clock this afternoon. Michael Neary uh, in the studio. After the news, which is on the way next, I will be back all going well next Saturday just after seven. Until then, have yourselves a super duper weekend. Slong a